That clap was uh, not quite as clappy as I was hoping it would be. I was just going to roll with it. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. (laughs) We're back in person. We're in the studio. That's why I had to take a moment. Yes, soak it all in. Yeah, it's good to be back, Dominic. We end another week. How are you? Start another month. Oh, yeah, we're in December now. The end of 2020, what a year it's been. Oh, yes. We'll take, you know, we won't, we won't take a look back yet. More to come on that in the future. But Dominic, how are you feeling, my friend? It's the end of another week. The end of another week. We're here. We're back in person. We've had a lot of remote sessions lately, so it feels good. And we've got a fun little card to break down here. We've got two back-to-back six-fight main cards Mm -hmm. for the UFC. Two back-to-back cards with some diamonds in the rough. Mm -hmm. And those are always our favorite cards to break down. I'm excited. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, COVID will not leave without going down. They will not go down without a fight. No, they're they're tearing the UFC cards apart right now. And I I shouldn't say they're really tearing them apart. It's just these main events, man. Yeah, that's true. What is it? It's six straight after this one, next week's main event. I believe it's six or seven in a row. Uh, Just please, like, take care of Davison and Brandon. Keep them in the performance Take care of Connor and Dustin. Like, geez, like... Uh, if any, if, if those fights start falling out, I'm going to be become big sad. But we are here to preview another UFC fight night. Hashtag UFC Vegas 17. 16. Oh, 16. 16. Damn it. Hashtag UFC Vegas 16. <laughs> we'll be breaking down the whole main card, all six fights. You know we love that uh, towards the later half of the episode. But we're going to start with everyone's favorite segment, the news. <laughs> we start with our fight announcements. December 19th. Sure, we lost our main event. Hamzat Leon Edwards is gone, but this fight card is still stacked. <laughs> Good thing it has an all-star lineup. <laughs> and they decided to add another one. Yeah, and a big one. It is a big one because we have the former UFC lightweight champion, Anthony Pettis, back for the first time since UFC 249. The which Wheaties was the, box guy. Yeah, the Wheaties box guy. He's back going up against Alex Morano. December 19th. This is an interesting fight for him. We had talked about Anthony Pettis actually on Monday. Yes, we did. And we had mentioned Miguel Baeza as being a potential <laughs> fight for him. Mm. And kind of the question we were asking ourselves is, where is Anthony Pettis at this point in his career? Is well, he wanting to continue kind of what fight's going to get him to where he's going to be fighting contenders at some point? Or is he going to just look for those kind of like legacy fights like Cowboy Cerrone, which he had in his last fight? Right. Uh, it appears he's still fighting whoever. He's looking to be competitive. He's yeah. looking to fight whoever. He's and, not picking fights. And look, Alex Morano is he's not necessarily at the name of Anthony Pettis, obviously. But a tough matchup here. Oh, yeah. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on this fight. Uh, is this going to be at lightweight or welterweight? Do you know off the top of your head? Question mark. It, I believe, is going to be at welterweight. So I th- it is very fascinating whenever I see Anthony fight at welterweight. I guess he's been up there his past few fights, though, so that might have been a dumb question. Well, but it's, um, he he bounces back and forth, man. This is tough, tough fight for him. But I again respect that he's not just picking and choosing fights. And he's just wanting to fight whoever. 
And he obviously wanted to be put on this card. I mean, he knows how big of a card this is. Right. Assuming they're going to throw this right on that main card and keep it at six fights. I'm excited, but for Alex Morano, this is a this is a big one for him. And if he were to win against a guy like Anthony Pettis, former champion, former Wheaties box guy, former face of the UFC, mm-hmm. biggest win of his career would be the biggest name for him. A lot to lose if you're Anthony Pettis in this situation, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't think he cares. And not a lot of reward, I should say, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting choice for him. Uh, Murano is by no means like uh, a scrub or anything. You know, he's got some good wins on his record. He beat Josh Berkman back in 2018. Um, he's beaten, like, Max Griffin, Zach mm-hmm. Otto. Like, the, you know, those are definitely not, you know, they're not necessarily no world beaters, but they're not they're not scrubs. Right. But, like, really, so far for uh, Murano... He's still kind of looking to dust off the cobwebs from welcoming Chaos Williams into the octagon. Wait, really? He was the one that got knocked out by oh, Chaos in 27 man. seconds. He did bounce back. He beat Rice McKee. Uh, that was the guy who had fought Hamzat in a second fight. McKee being a pretty yep. decent prospect from the UK. Really good boxer. He's really been striker. given a tough road here. He started with Hamzat. This is kind of a, a tangent, but now, then he gets... Murano, who's been fighting in UFC for four years. Oh, that was just a couple weeks ago, yeah, too. So, yeah, so he's he's turning around here pretty quickly, which we love to see right now. But he's still trying to dust that off because ultimately right now that's kind of his biggest claim to fame so mm-hmm. far because considering what Chaos has been doing. So what better opportunity to go up against Mr. Wheaties Box, oh, Anthony exactly. Pettis. And Pettis, you know, to your point, about kind of him at welterweight, we've seen him look incredible. He knocked out Stephen Thompson at welterweight, and then we've seen him look, I guess maybe, just older. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Like he just looks like he's lost a step at times. Like the Nate Diaz fight, he did. Just, you it's know, a guy did, that hit his prime really young. It yeah, seems. it's it's weird. He's kind of had a weird career here in his in this later period. You know, he's been fight. He's literally fought from in division like at featherweight mm-hmm. lightweight welterweight he kind of bounces back and forth well, and as you like to say it's not just the the age of the person it's the fight years because anthony's yeah. still a young guy yeah but i mean we're talking about a guy that was champion at such a young age that it's just i he essentially has already hit his prime and he's past his prime yeah he's still got the talent but i i don't look at anthony and think future champion anymore i i hear you there i mean you have to think he won the wec lightweight title from Benson Henderson, I believe that's the fight with the uh, Showtime kick. Oh, yeah. He was 23 years old at the time. crazy. And then comes to the UFC and actually had some growing pains. Really, it's like his UFC career is really never... Like, sure, he had that great run where he won the title, got on the Wheaties box. Mm-hmm. I think he was going to be, like, this next huge star. But his debut was against Clay Guida, and he lost. People forget, like, he was looked at like he might come in and fight for the belt immediately right. because... By the time he was um, being brought in, you know, uh, Benson hadn't won the belt yet, I don't think. But eventually that matchup was looking like it could happen. Mm-hmm. Ends up happening. Obviously, he wins again, gets that slick armbar submission kind of out of nowhere. Um, he had a good run. Unfortunately, like, after that, he, he had a really pretty big rough patch. I mean, he lost three in a row, four of his next five. Like, he... Straight killers. Too. Yeah, I mean, he's really never taken a step back in competition until, really, this fight. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, 
this fight is kind of a step back for him. But maybe and that's a good thing. I think it is. I mean, the win over Cerrone is fine. I didn't think he won that fight, truthfully. I didn't either. I thought Cowboy did, but it was a good fight. It was a legacy fight. And, that, and, you know, Cowboy, there's a lot of questions on kind of who really, what kind of fighter he is anymore. So it's interesting. And, yeah, for Murano, he's kind of got everything to win here. I mm-hmm. mean, it's... Again, like the only other fight that really sticks out to me where I'm like, oh, I remember that fight from Rano was when he was knocked out by Nico Price. Right, right. Of course, that it later got overturned due to marijuana. Uh, that remains, to, that continues to be relevant <laughs> for Nico, but yeah, it should be fun. Um, I think it's, I, I think it's going to be a, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't think on paper that like Anthony Pettis is worse anywhere than Murano. Like I feel like Anthony Pettis has the advantage everywhere on yeah. paper. But a lot of it's mental for him. Yeah, it yeah, especially this latter half of the career. Mm-hmm. So. so hopefully we get to see him he looks energized. He seems back. energized, yeah. So this would be two in a row for him. Yeah. And same for Murano. Yeah. I love it too. And you know, get these guys on that last card. Still give us a six fight main card to end out 2020, uh, that fight card's still in I mean, this fight's looking like it might open up that main yeah. card. Yeah. And you have Anthony Pettis on a fight night. Yeah, Opening exactly. up the main card. Like, come on. Exactly. Our next fight announcement, this one's a kind of a surprise. Love Uf- it. UFC 259. This is March. Yes. Joseph Benavidez versus Askar Askarov. A huge opportunity for Askarov here. Number two versus number three. A big bounce back opportunity for Benavidez Dom my kind of question for you here is is this all but confirmed that Cody Garbrandt will be next title challenger after yes 100% especially if Joseph wins because he's not going to well I just you know (laughs) what's funny is is that Cody uh well, yeah, he's saying he's going to be back in March. So he's saying he wants to fight the winner in March, which is hilarious. Like, you're seeing these right guys, these two guys, Davison and Brandon Moreno, are about to fight twice in a month. You know what I'm seeing? I'm looking into the glass globe, the glass ball. I'm sure. seeing another flyweight title night in March. Really? Yeah, maybe we get a little Joey B and Ascar on the card. Then we got a Cody uh, versus yeah. Davison. Then we got a Valentina versus uh, Andrade. I'm just saying it Ooh, lines up. I like it. I like it. It lines up, baby. I mean, but, uh, I'm, still, I'm still kind of hoping that card's headlined by Stipe and Ngannou, too, myself. Oh, and but. it's also rumored Izzy Young. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, a, March is looking crazy. They might do two pay-per-views in March. Yeah. But this is, it's our really our first fight announcement for that, far ahead. that pay-per-view. Yeah. So, And it's a big one. I mean, Benavidez, it's going to be his first time back in the octagon, coming off that just, the fight we probably talk about more than any other on this podcast, that brutal loss to Davison. Back-to-back, really brutal yeah. losses. A lot of questions on what kind of fight he has left. And for Askarov, he's looked really incredible, undefeated. But obviously this is going to be his biggest test, and I think that this is a opportunity for him to really make a name for himself. Yeah, I mean, if he were to beat a guy here like Joey Benavidez, he's right there next in line. Mm-hmm. Um I still want to see him and Moreno run it back because they have a draw together, but, you know, that's all right. I'll let that slide. This yeah. is a really good fight here. I mean, 
you got to lean toward Askar just because of what we've been seeing out of Benavidez lately. However, this is a fight that I definitely think Benavidez can win and have a bounce back win from. But Askar's tough and again, undefeated for a reason. Outside of the draw. Yeah, true. We we love to say that. As for for Benavidez coming off that loss and I know I'm pretty sure he said this in the post-fight press conference and I try not to take too much what the fighters say to heart or not to heart at face value because they're very emotional they haven't had a whole lot of time to process um he made it clear he did not want to go out that way loss, yeah. yeah so this could for be him this could be a huge motivating factor for him in this fight and who knows if he wins this could be it it Either could way. be it because ultimately, are you going to put him up against Davison a third time? I don't think no, so. No, I, I think don't. he knows he's not getting another title fight. I would I, be shocked. Maybe if Moreno wins, Davison moves to one thirty-five. Maybe the winner of Cody Moreno fights Benavidez if he beats Ascroft. This is a lot of maybes, yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of just hypotheticals. hypotheticals. It's there's a lot that can happen here, but. Just on this fight itself, I think it's fireworks. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, love it. Love this fight. And I, I did mention this earlier, but our main event for December 19th has been scrapped. Leon Edwards tested positive for COVID-19. Apparently he got it pretty got bad. Got it pretty bad, yeah. So, God, has anybody had a worse year in MMA than Leon Poor Edwards? Poor Leon Edwards, man. Like, you know, if Anthony Smith hadn't won his last fight, I think those two would have been, like, competing for who had the worst year mm-hmm. for uh, for an MMA fighter. But, man, Leon, just the bad luck continues to pile up. Now, they did not replace him. So, his fight with him and Hamza, it looks like it's going to be rebooked in January, which is a plus. Yeah. Um. And I, I hope Leon recovers well enough because, again, that's not, you know, if he if he had it that bad, that's not a t- I mean, depending on when they book it in January, you're not giving the guy a ton mm-hmm. of time to really recover. But he's really been kind of, he's been kind of counted out this whole way through. You know, it seems like, you know, the UFC's kind of doing anything they can to just get him, basically feed him to the lion mm-hmm. almost, and they're like, if we have to carry you into the octagon to lose the Hamzat, we will. So it kind of almost makes you want to root for him, despite mm, some of the decisions he's yeah, kind of been, yeah. you know, kind of making me turned off a little bit. But uh, I'm hoping that fight gets rebooked for January. This main event is being replaced by what was originally the co-main, and this fight is definitely heavy. Oh, it's material. main event material, yeah. Uh, Steven Thompson and Jeff Neal, a fight we talked about, but now it gets the main event. Jeff Neal getting his first shot in the main event. I Steven love... Thompson, a guy who's fought for... Everybody loves. Yeah, fought for Steven the welterweight Thompson. belt twice. He's He headlined you know, fight nights with like Anthony Pettis and uh, Johnny Hendricks way back in the day. So no stranger to the headline is Steven Thompson. And I'm just glad to see these guys get that platform. You know, I obviously, I, especially for a guy like Jeff Neal. Too. Yeah, I'm I'm saddened that Hamzat and Leon's not happening because that fight's just so interesting because we just have no idea how it's going to go. But I, I I look forward to seeing Jeff Neal get an opportunity here, uh, regardless of if he wins or loses, because Stephen Thompson is a puzzle. Think about and if they well yeah I love that main event. If they do Leon and Hamzat in January. Listen at these three boom, boom, boom main events. Mm-hmm. Holloway Cater, the 16th. Then we got UFC 257, McGregor versus Poirier. 
January 30th, Leon Edwards versus Hamza Chimaev. I love it. Saddle up. 2021 is going to be here before we know it. Yeah, no, that's great. So, prayers up for Leon Edwards. Yeah. Hoping for the best for him there. But that is all for our fight announcements. We'll move on to the rest here, which is really where we're going to get into like we some, got some fun stuff. Some meaty here. stuff here. So, um, we're going to start with uh, the Korean zombie. Love this. Making some headlines. He called out our friends Zabit Magomed Sharipov. And really, <laughs> I guess we can even add to this news. Uh, part here is that really for the featherweight division it's all being shaken up right now yeah we talked on monday about the cryptic response dana white had to a question about yair rodriguez who we have not heard anything about him and zabit true we have heard nothing about their fight since habib had put that potential that like main card on his instagram and it mm-hmm. had them on there and we were like oh my gosh this card looks amazing yeah fight never came to fruition well we might have found out why Yes, we did. Uh, from September 8th, yep. Yair Rodriguez has been suspended six months due to USADA violation. That violation being that for UFC fighters, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., I believe it's every day of the week or so. Probably. Uh, there's essentially an app on their phone that they are supposed to, if they are not, I, I don't know if it's at home and, or at, at the, the gym. gym. Yeah. I don't know kind of what, I don't know if it's just if you're away from your what house the rules or what, are. <laughs> but you're supposed to basically update the SAP to your location pretty much everywhere you go. So if USADA official comes to your house and you're not there, then that's like a strike. If you get three strikes in a 12-month period, then suspension. suspension. And that's what happened here. Yep. So it's like, for considering how... <laughs> cryptic Dana's response was I'm not sure if this is uh, quite as bad as I thought it was going to be it's very unfortunate because again Yair out six months I mean from September that means he would be able to come back in like March so kind of where this ties in is UFC has wanted Yair versus Zabit for literally years Yeah, since our Gardenland days yes (laughs) that's a throwback oh yes that's a podcast in itself. So you, what I'm curious about, <laughs> what I'm curious about is what happens here, Dom? Do do they wait and book rebook Yair Zabit or Korean Zombie calling out Zabit? Does that fight get booked potentially to start out 2021? Uh, I mean, Korean Zombie and Zabit have a main event written all over it. I love that fight. That fight is beautiful chaos. Um, but if you're Zabit here, it's almost like do I just kind of wait? I'm undefeated in the UFC, six fights in a row. He's 18 and one. I mean, does he just wait? Maybe does he? Does he? Has he earned the spot where he can say, "All right, Volkanovski or Ortega, whoever wins, that's who I get." Or with the fight like Max and Cater, this Cater, like say Cater beats Max, does he necessarily earn a title shot, or does he just bump up significantly in the rankings? If Max wins, does he still need one more fight before he can get another title shot? Because I would personally love to see Max and Zabit fight. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. So just give me Zabit and Korean Zombie and we'll call it a day. But it is risky to take that if you're Zabit. When you've been looking at, essentially, title fighter Yair. But Yair's fourth, Korean Zombie's fifth. It's not like it's... I don't know. A all lot of stuff. All I know is that whichever fight Zabit gets, and as of now, kind of leaning towards the Zombie fight... Don't it makes sense. Zabit Rodriguez, 
is an incredible matchup, and I hope we do get it at some point. But I just need to see the beat fight. It's been a year. Yeah, it's been too long. And, you know, Korean Zombie had a bit of a, I guess you could call it, I don't know if it was as much a disappointing performance for him or if it was just how good Brian Ortega was in that fight. I'm not sure kind of how you would. But I think overall, like, we were expecting more from Zombie in that mm-hmm. fight with Ortega. So it gives him an opportunity to bounce back against another mur- killer yeah. in Zabit. But there are a lot of question marks about Zabit's ability to go five rounds. And that's why whichever fight happens, it needs to be a five-round main event, headlining a fight night. I need to see Zabit tested in those deep waters. For sure. I think either one of these guys can do that to him. Especially someone like Korean Zombie, who <laughs> that guy just never seems to be out of the fight. That I mean, I feel like Korean Zombie could really be a test for Zabit here, and obviously vice versa. We know this, yeah. but the Zombie we saw in the fight with Ortega—that's a—that's a different version of the Zombie. I will give credit to Brian Ortega. I think 2. it's more 0. of a credit to Ortega's yeah. performance. I just there was just something I felt lacking. It was just not the Korean zombie that I was used to seeing. Right, right. So, and I I guess this another question we can bring up here is, does Jair Rodriguez really have a future in the UFC? Now, I know that the suspension, like, it doesn't look great, obviously, being suspended by USADA. But considering that it doesn't confirm that he cheated, you know, he never tested positive, it's that's true. You you could look at it like he's bad at updating his app or whatever, you know. Whatever the reason is. But this is just another chapter in this long storied I mean, really it's only been a couple years he's really yeah. been in the promotion, but it just seems like him and the UFC have just always had problems. But his heads, yeah. Dana fired him for a day. This is that true. was back in our garden land days, and guess what it was for? Not taking the fight with Zavit. Yeah. And yet, here we are, multiple years later, the fight still hasn't happened, and it looks like it didn't happen because of Yair's suspension. So you have to wonder kind of how how long is the leash here? Like, how much more can the UFC really take before they just think it's not worth keeping him around? Right. You know, he's he's been kind of, Yair's kind of shown some flaws potentially in his, uh, in his kind of out-of-the-octagon character, that fight with... Uh, Jeremy Stevens did not put him in a great light where he eye poked Stevens so bad Stevens couldn't continue so the fight was essentially stopped in the first minute of the first round Yair was absolutely livid tried to fight Jeremy mm-hmm. like after the like after they had left the, the building and everything I understand that it was in Mexico and you want to put on this show for your hometown fans but like I don't know, man. It just didn't look great considering it was him that committed the foul. Jeremy Stevens has never shown to be a guy that would take an easy way out, you know, like so for him to assume that is kind of preposterous. I don't know. There's a lot moving pieces here. I just want to see Zabit fight again ultimately. Yeah. And if that means he fights Korean Zombie in like February, give me that. Give me a little Valentine's Day Korean Zombie Zabit. That'd be the best present I could ask for. 100%. So we talked already about Cody Garbrandt, so I think we'll move on from right. we'll skip that one. 
A uh, big signing here for the PFL. Oh, They're making moves. This is massive. Yes. They're making moves. They signed perhaps one of, I mean, essentially one of the top pound for pound women's boxers in the world, Clarissa Shields. The much rumored move to MMA is finally looking like it's going to take place. She signed with the PFL on Monday, I believe. So, I guess uh, you know she has been calling for a boxing fight with Amanda Nunes. It seems like she's been. She's always been kind of tied to MMA in some way. You know, she's always kind of making those headlines in the MMA bubble. And now she officially looks like she's coming over. So what does this mean for the PFL and for her in general? Good for the PFL, first yeah. off. Especially an organization that struggled a lot this year with uh, everything going on. It looks like they're lining up a lot of big things in 2021, it seems, with all the stuff they've been doing. This is awesome uh, to see Clarissa Shields here. Very interested to see how she does. I'd be interested to see how they match her up in her first fight. Uh, she's not even really had any MMA fights at all, right? Nope. So, very interested to see what they would do here with her. She's won so many belts in boxing, it's unbelievable. She really has nothing else to accomplish there. And I think she's just got that competitive mentality. I love listening to her interview. Very confident about herself and the confident that she can bring those boxing skills over and utilize them. Uh, to get wins in mixed martial arts and make her way, make some noise. I mean, face women like Kayla Harrison, make moves to the UFC. Like, she has that confidence about herself. I love it. I love when we get these big crossovers, especially when it's it's not like we've got a CM Punk from the WWE coming up. Yeah. We've got a legitimate boxing world champion, similar to Holly Holm, coming over and to mixed martial serious. arts. She's and look what Holly serious. Holm did. Yeah. World champion. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Love this. Very exciting. It is exciting. There's a couple takeaways here. First off, PFL, I believe, has said that they are going to be putting her at a lightweight, mm. which is very They're going to essentially start, well, they already have a division, but they're like the only really women's uh, division or organization that has a 155-pound women's division, mm-hmm. I should say. And I know the UFC has really struggled with women's featherweight. Really yeah. struggled to get it off the ground. But I do want to ask this. If at some point Clarissa Shields proves to be legit, legit, and then you got Kayla Harrison at lightweight, I mean, what two better people to potentially start yeah. a division with yeah. if they ever make their way to the UFC? Or if they can cut down to 145, imagine adding those two to featherweight. Oh, that's I, looking ahead. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what how Clarissa Shields is going to look. I mean, she said that she wants to continue boxing while doing MMA at the same time, so we'll see how that goes or if that really holds true. Um, also, again, Kayla Harrison is an absolute savage, and I think a concern for me is that they might try to do a Shields versus Harrison fight oh. sooner than it needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because Shields is an animal when it comes to boxing. But until she's really able to build that full arsenal, and that's going to take multiple years, you can't just give her to someone like Harrison. Oh, no. no. And I'm a little concerned that that could happen, especially because they're both looking like they're going to fight at lightweight. It worries me a little bit. But I don't want to get a little any you know too negative here because ultimately it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Clarissa Shields coming over, and 
you know, it's it's really cool because women's boxing has just, for whatever reason, it is just never caught on with the casual casual fans of the world. You know, back in the day, you had Layla Ali going up against uh, Joe Frazier's daughter. Mm-hmm. That sold like nothing. It was even built as um, Ali versus Frazier four. Yeah, still didn't sell. The pay in women's boxing is not near what it is in men's. So it makes a lot of sense for her to come over here and really try to build herself as like a as a a star in combat sports. And it seems like the PFL is all in. Yeah, because I mean, women's MMA. Let's be honest, it's it's great. Oh it's yeah, really caught on, and and you know you had people like Ronda Rousey, who took over Paved just the way. pop culture. Mm-hmm. So you've never seen a women's boxer reach those heights so for her to come over here who's to say that she can't finally kind of hit that you know she's already a star in boxing but for her to potentially work her way into being just a combat sports star and potentially reach those heights not mm-hmm. saying of a Rousey that's Our a high expectation yeah. but you know who's to say that she can't be on the same name value as someone like Holly Holm exactly exciting and I guess to build off of that Kayla Harrison has made it clear according to her manager Ali Abdelaziz that she wants to fight again in 2020 and she actually got permission to fight for Titan FC as long as they can find her an opponent. She was tweeting and calling people out she said she wants to do a catch weight at 150 pounds there ain't going to be no one that wants to fight her on a short notice fight. I'm sorry I feel like someone will step up. Think so? Someone's going to want that, that payday or want that I hope opportunity. Does. I mean, right? But it seems like every time this has happened, someone is there to step up. Someone's going to take the call because if they, if they, for whatever reason, somehow land the perfect shot or get the perfect position. They're a star. You beat a star, you become that star. And you've got to think the UFC took notice when Kayla made her featherweight debut a couple weeks ago. Oh, You know they were watching very closely. So I am very interested to see what this near future looks like for Kayla with the PFL. And I want to see her continue to do featherweight. And I want to see her in the UFC. (laughs) Down the line for sure. Yeah. Our last bit of news here. It's a big one. Habib making some headlines here he spoke with the Russian media uh, over uh, some point this week what a great piece it was yeah Uh, we'll start with the fact that he has bought his own promotion formerly Guerrilla Fighting Championship out of Dagestan renaming it the Eagle Fighting Championship apparently this meeting with Dana White is because he is looking to add Eagle Fighting Championship to Fight Pass that's awesome the quote he said really stuck out to me too. Uh, something this isn't verbatim because again I believe he was speaking in Russian, but uh, it was essentially that a lot of these smaller promotions they are all about like wanting to try to keep their talent in their promotion. Right. That's not what he wants to do. He wants to build these guys to where they can go to the next level. Yeah. Go to the UFC as it should be, and that's awesome. So I, I believe that we will be seeing Eagle Fighting Championship on Fight Pass. I'm sure Dana's going to try to pitch him some other stuff while he's <laughs> yeah. at this meeting. But another big thing that uh, he's talking about is that he really wants to push to get MMA 
added to the Olympics. And yep. he even said 2028 would be the ideal time to start. A long time coming, right? I think it's something that is very possible to mm-hmm. happen. I really do. And I, if there's a guy to have as an ambassador to start this movement, it's Habib. Yeah, completely. I I think that it's time. This sport is legitimate enough to where it should be represented in the Olympics. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, imagine, man, just what that can do. I mean, we already talk up these guys that won medals in wrestling or judo. Or Calista Shields in boxing. Right. Holly Holm in boxing. So now you have legit MMA in the yes. Olympics. Yeah. Imagine a gold medal winner in, in MMA. Yeah, yeah. Like... That's the best MMA fighter in the world. I mean, th- you know, that these are legit prospects that will be put on a world stage in front of, I mean, people, you know, people just watch the Olympics to watch the Olympics. Oh, I mean, hundreds of millions yeah. of people. It's the biggest sporting event there is in the world. And you put these prospects on that world stage, someone wins, and they're immediately a star. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to think, like, every gold medal winner is going to be getting those big contracts that come to these big promotions. Title fights on the first fight of the organization. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but it makes me excited for the future, uh, The how what this can do for the talent pool, what this can do for really building these fighters as who they are, like building their star power, you know, especially in the UFC. The UFC likes to, sure, they love the money that comes with the Conor McGregor, or Jorge Masvidal, or Nate Diaz. But at the end of the day, they sell you on their brand. Yeah. I have a UFC. I have UFC shirts. Yep. You have UFC shirts. Could you imagine wearing an NFL shirt? Or a shirt that says NBA no. or MLB? No. And yet we wear UFC shirts like it's nothing. Yes, this is true. It speaks to the promotion of the brand. Yep. So what this can do for the fighters, it just makes me happy to see that power balance kind of start to maybe come into more in the middle there. And a sport that's already taken the world by storm is literally worldwide. Now we're just talking bigger fan bases. More eyes on the sport than even before. Mm-hmm. This would be massive. And really, 2028, although you're like, oh, that's eight years away. That's not that long. That's only two Olympic Games away. <laughs> yeah. So True. Love that for Habib, by the way. What a, yeah. what a great ambassador for mixed martial arts. That's Couldn't have said it any better myself. Yeah. But with that, that's the end of the news. The news. Let's go. We're on to the preview. UFC Vegas 16. Hashtag UFC Vegas 16. Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. I'm going to give you guys the main card before we really dig in here. We start our night at Featherweight. Mosar. <laughs> don't know if that's right. Mosar. Take your time. <laughs> Spell it out. Sound it out. Mosar. Evelov. 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 Yep, there you go. Versus Nate Landwehr. Then we go to light heavyweight. <clears throat> Roman. Back to back. Delidzi. <laughs> versus John Allen Arte. Women's flyweight Montana De La Rosa versus Taylor Santos. Light heavyweight in our co main event. Ovent St. Prue. Hop on the train now, folks. OSP for the title. Get on this train before it takes off. But he's going up against Jamal Hill. Yeah. Undefeated, by the way. Main event. I'm just going to move on. Main event. 
Jack Hermanson, Marvin Vittori. Vittori stepping in on late notice, replacing Kevin Holland. Hermanson said, let's do it. The He's, Joker, the Italian dream. It's his third It's his third opponent. He doesn't care. Doesn't give a fuck. He'll fight Dana White. Yeah. So I've been told. <laughs> My sources, sources say. Sources say. <laughs> also, we got oh, a bonus shit. fight. We I got forgot. a bonus fight added oh, to the card. Oh, shit. I forgot. We have a six-fight main card. I don't know where this falls. I believe it's the third fight. Okay. Gabriel Benitez versus Justin Janes at lightweight. That's our bonus fight. Just got added on today. A six-fight main card, folks. Saddle yeah, up. It's, it's not updated on my screen, so I apologize. I will find out but, the order we've got here. So, I believe we'll talk about this fight third, correct? It is the fourth fight on the main card. Fourth fight on the main card. Yes. So that means we start with... Our favorite name to say here. Yes. Movsar. God, that is really. Evlov. Yes. Movsar Evlov versus Nate Landweir. Dom, just please save me. (laughs) Men's 145. Men's featherweight. Nate is 14 and 3. Eight KOTKOs. He's 1 and 1 in the UFC. Notable win. Darren Elkins, unanimous decision. Notable loss. Eh, Herbert Burns, you know. Brother of Gilbert Burns, yeah. future title yeah, challenger. Got knocked the fuck Got out. knocked out by him. Then we've got an undefeated uh, Movzar Evolev on the other side of the octagon. A perfect 13 wins, zero losses. He's got three KOTKOs, four submissions. He's undefeated in the UFC with a 3-0 and record. This is fun. Interesting matchup here. We know Nate's going to come out and bang. Yes, We he is. know he's going to come out and bang. But, Noah... We've got an undefeated fighter here to start the night off. And what do we always say? Undefeated for a reason. And to speak even more than that, because I, I don't want to just say, oh, well, Movzar's undefeated, so he's going to win. It doesn't work that way, right? But undefeated for a reason, for sure. Nate Landwehr has had an interesting UFC run so far. I mean, he's 1-1. One one. Um, even in the past, he has shown to have a suspect chin. And that was put on full display in his debut in the promotion. Um, He had some hype around him coming in, looking like a potential star that the UFC could build around. Herbert Burns said, hold my beer. Uh, That knee from the clinch, absolutely brutal. Oh, yes. Uh, But he did have a big bounce back against Darren Elkins, who is a proven veteran. A guy, another guy that, talk about coming in to fight. That guy... (laughs) Elkins has the damage tattooed across his chest. so He's about it. That should tell you enough. He's all and he has one it. of the best comeback victories in UFC history. That is 100% true. I remember watching that. And, yeah, so on one hand, I've seen more faults from Landweir, but he, you know, look, he's he's a former, I believe, uh, I want to say he was a champion with, ooh. Whatever that belt says. I forget now. <laughs> Uh, so excuse me there, but but he's he, a former champion. He's a former champion of a smaller promotion, and he did have. I mean, he does have that hype around him, but he's going up against Movzar here, who really hasn't shown much faults. I mean, three wins all by unanimous decision. He's been clean so far, and if you go back to his fights, he was fighting at M One Global, which is hey, that's it's pretty good competition there too. Seven wins by finish out of 13. He's going to do what he has to do to get the win. 
I think that's going to be kind of the case here, but is Landwehr really capable of going to a decision? Win or lose, actually. That's, yeah, that it, is a great question. I mean, he, he proved he could win by decision. He beat Darren Elkins by decision, but, you know, he's lost. He's got three losses in his professional career. His first one was a unanimous loss way back in 2013. But he lost uh, in 2015 via rear naked choke and then the knee from the clinch. I think we're going to see a lot of wildness and craziness from Nate, but a lot of conservative uh, action out of uh, Mopsar. So I think he can go to the distance. More so because I don't think he's going to be getting as much action fired back at him. Mm -hmm. However... I do believe that Mozart is going to be able to get the victory. And I've got him winning via decision. Which is essentially why I just talked myself into why Nate can't go the distance. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's... On paper, the, the advantage definitely seems to be towards Mozart here. I might go the other way. Do it. Look, Landweir... has got to go. Trust, trust me, dude. Landweir's... He's a guy that it seems like on any given night, and I know this is true for any fighter, but his style is truly can win him fights and lose him fights in the same breath. It's it's just something that you have to kind of see to believe. And here he's going up against a guy with probably a more safer style. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's struggling. He, I know. it's It really is a tough one because... Movzar is definitely a wild card in this matchup. Like Landweir, I've seen. I know what I can expect from him. Don't can't say the same for Movzar. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go. Go I'm, with it. I'm gonna go with Landweir. I'm gonna go with Landweir. I actually think it will go to a decision, though. I don't. Oh, you think, think he'll win by decision? Yeah, he did it in his last fight against Elkins. I know Elkins is a guy that does not get finished very often. Yeah, that's true. But. I think that's the way it's going to go. I, if if you want to even go off of that, I mean, Darren Elkins is the most impressive win across both these guys' resumes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a step up from Movzar, but Landweir has shown more faults. But again, it gets against Herbert Burns, a guy who's another big prospect. None of Movzar's wins really say the same thing. So I'm going to go with Landweir by decision. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to go with there. So we're going to move on. To Roman Delizzi and John Alenarte. That's a light heavyweight. Yes. No, we've got another undefeated fighter here. Roman is 7-0. and A perfect 100% finish rate, ladies and gentlemen. Ring the bells. We still need bells <laughs> or an alarm. Yeah. Four KOTKOs, three submissions. He's 1-0 and in the UFC. Five of those seven finishes have came via the first round. On the other side of the octagon, Mr. John Allen is 13-5. and Nine KOTKOs, three submissions. That's 12 out of 13 via finish. He's 0-1 in the UFC with one no contest. Eight of his 12 um, finishes, pardon me, have came in the first round. His no contest was against Mike Rodriguez, which I had to note. That's a pretty notable guy there. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a good one. I was going to go fight of the night on this one Mm -hmm. until the late addition to the card. So, I'm not going to... That just gave away my fight of the night. But, this is going to be a fun one. Again, we got another undefeated guy. I went with the undefeated guy in the first fight. I'm probably going to go with it again here. If I'm not mistaken, I've got Roman. I do. I've got Roman. Second round. KO. TKO. Moves to a perfect 8-0. And a perfect 8-for-8 
finishes. Yeah, I, I, I completely, I feel like this matchup is somewhat similar to what we just talked about. And yet, I feel just as conflicted. <laughs> and I mean, again, these are two different fighters, two different styles, but both in similar places. I mean, Delidze, he's he's undefeated for a reason. I, I don't want to keep sound like a broken record, but it, call it what it is. He's 7-0, and and he's not just coming in there to get the win. He's coming in there to completely yes. finish the yes. fight. And then you have John Allen Arte, who has had more tests, I guess. he's He's been... He's battle tested. Yeah. Both win and lose. You know, he's got more experience. He's got double the experience of Delitzi. He's younger, too. Five years younger. Really? Yeah, twenty seven years old. So in this matchup, man, it's it's gonna be interesting because both guys and you this speaks to what you were talking about with Fight of the Night, both these guys, again, do not just come in to win the fight. They come in to finish their opponent. I'd like to believe someone's going to sleep here. Oh, this is going to be a barn burner. I think I'm going to go... I might actually go... Oh my gosh. I'm just as conflicted. 75 inch reach for Arte, and then you got Delidze with the 76. That's not really... So basically I just reduced that fraction. Um, <laughs> don't, don't start talking about fractions. <laughs> my brain will break. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually go with the same thing. I'm going to say the same you said. I'm going to go with Roman Delidze, but I'm going to do second round, KOTKO. I'm actually predicting this to be fight of the night. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. We move on to our late edition fight or the women's fight? Women's fight. Our lone women's fight of the main mm-hmm. card. Montana De La Rosa, Taylor Santos at women's flyweight. Taylor. Yeah. Top 15 here. Oh, yeah. Miss Taylor Santos. 16 and 1, Noah. She's pretty good. Oh, so close to saying. She's pretty good. Oh, we can't quite say undefeated. No, for, not uh, quite. Not quite. 10 KOTKOs, two submissions. She's got 12 out of 16 via finish. 2-1 and one in the UFC, if you count her win on the Contender Series. Notable win against Miss Molly McMahon via unanimous decision. 11 of Taylor's 12 finishes have came via the first round, Noah. On the other end of the octagon, we've got Montana De La Rosa. She's 11 and 6. 8 of her 11 wins are via submission. She's 4 and 2 in the UFC, a notable win over Rachel Ostovich, which is not looking as notable these days. That was via submission. She does have some notable losses. We did some digging here. She's got a loss to Miss Nico Montano. Montano. Okay. Uh, that was on the Ultimate Fighter season 26. Lost to her via unanimous decision, as you know or may or may not know. Nico went on to become the first ever women's flyweight champion. She's also lost to Mackenzie Dern at LFC 61 in 2016 via submission. Lost to Cynthia Calvillo at the very first LFA event Mm. back in 2017 via TKO. So interesting. And then in the UFC has lost to Andrea Lee via decision and Vivian Arujo via unanimous decision. Montana has definitely got the competition advantage here. She's been in there with top tier she does. competition however santos is a killer for women's mma this woman is a savage i just saw that picture and <laughs> i got scared she looks like a bodybuilder yeah no uh, speaking to what you're talking about there when do you see that in women's mma those first round finishes knocking out these women like oh yeah up. 11 out of 12 that's and, insane in her ufc run it has not been quite the same thing all decisions 
contender series against Estefani Almeida. Decision, unanimous decision. That's when you really start to see that step up in competition. Then Maribarella, split decision loss. However, that win over Molly McCann. Molly McCann, another prospect. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, she was the favorite in that fight. That was on the Cater Ige card that happened this summer. A lot of people surprised Santos was able to get that win there. Um, me included, really. Uh, but, man, that's this is so interesting because Santos is shown to be a killer but is it because she was was she fighting cans on the regionals? You know, it's it, we always say undefeated for a reason, and she was truly undefeated at that Until, time. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's uh, what do we really believe here? Do we do we side with someone like De La Rosa, who, by the way, eight wins by submission? That's, oh yeah, Montana. Hey, talk about someone who also comes in and finishes fights, yes. but in in the reverse ways. Yes. Um, that's really going to be kind of the test here, right? If Santos if Santos wins this, I feel like she has to put at least be able to control the fight on the feet. If the fight gets to the ground, I feel like De La Rosa is going to have the advantage there. Right. At least be able to do more offensively. I mean, maybe Santos can do something in the ground and pound. But I I just hmm. made a late a last minute change. Now I'm okay. going to be honest with you. Okay. Um. So I had Taylor at first. Okay. But I just changed it. Going over these stats again, the notes here. Montana's been in there with the best of the best, man. She really is a very skilled fighter. She has shown that she has what it takes to fight top-tier people and compete with them. I'm going Montana De La Rosa here. I, I She may even be the favorite just because of the experience and you know the bigger name value here. But to me, on paper, she would be the underdog, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I'm going Montana here, and I think she gets it done via decision. I think she's going to drag it out. She's going to use that experience, her skill. I think she's going to be able to outlast the... The newcomer, in quotes. Yeah, I guess another factor is De La Rosa stepping in on two weeks' notice here. Yeah, and just fought. When did she last fight? In September? September So not long ago. So stepping in on two weeks here, I think I'm actually going to go with Santos. Now, do I think she goes back to her killer ways, or does she continue to show this kind of new Taylor Santos that's maybe a smarter fighter in some ways, but maybe lacks some of that excitement or that that uh, energy that we saw right. when she was on the regionals. I think she finishes this fight. I'm actually going to go with a second round KOTKO. Oh my goodness. For Taylor Santos. I think it's the big win that can really push her into the top 15 because you got Montana De La Rosa as number 15. I'm very fascinated with this fight. I'm this, I'm very intrigued. Outside of the main event, I'm, I'm most say intrigued. I'm low-key fight of the night contender. Yeah, here. this is a very interesting stylistic mm-hmm. fight here. I'm excited to see how this goes. Um, and Montana also married a UFC fighter, uh, Mark De La Rosa, another flyweight contender. Mm-hmm. Has the experience again. It's going to be interesting. I, there's There's a lot of things in play here. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, completely agreed. So now we get on to our this is the late the bonus fight: yes. Gabriel Benitez, Justin James, Justin James' nickname Guitar Hero. <laughs> you think he's good at it? You think he plays on expert? Gabriel is, that... is... <laughs> Gabriel's twenty-one and eight, seven KOTKOs, eleven submissions. That's eighteen out of twenty-one via finish. We got a lot of finishers on. Saturday's car. However, five and four in the UFC. A little shaky. Uh, he's got a notable win over Mr. Jason Knight via unanimous decision. Has some notable losses. Lost to Andre Touchy Feely via TKO. 
Lost to my boy, Sadiq Youssef, also via TKO. Uh, out of his 18 finishes, 10 of those has, have came via the first round. Other side, Mr. Justin James, 16-5, and 8 KO TKOs, 5 submissions, 13 out of 16 via finish. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC. I had to point out a little fun fact here when we were doing some digging last minute before we recorded. He fought Daquan Townsend back on the amateur circuit twice. Back-to-back. Um, yeah, this is a lightweight fight, by the way, 155 pounds. Townsend's a light heavyweight. And 205 James pounds. won both fights, right? Yes, won both fights. I'm just confusion. Um, anyway, <laughs> he has 13 finishes, 12 of those, Noah, first round. Mm-hmm. Woo! This, this is my fight of the night right here. That's, that's a great pick. This is my fight of the night, the late addition to the card. I think they're going to come in, they're going to put on a show. They put them up on near the co-main, I mean right under OSP for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Last minute, giving us six fights. They're going to put on a show. I'm going Justin Jane's second round KOTKO. Wow. I think we're going to see a barn burner of a fight here. Uh, Very yeah, I, you're definitely uh, winning me over on this fight. I mean, not that I, not that it needed any introduction, but you're you're you really you might have a future in this business. I try, I try. <laughs> but yeah, two guys that love to get in there and finish this fight. This is, I mean, we're kind of repeating ourselves. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of, of finishers. This is uh, this speaks to the. The quality of the card, I think, the quality of some of these fighters on this card, uh, when it comes to the excitement level, anyway, yep. might not be the biggest names as many of fight nights are, but that's not where. At the end of the day, we just want to watch good fights, and this card is really kind of giving us that. It's all about that matchmaking. So now that I stalled on making my decision for a second, <laughs> there, I, I I don't know. This is God. I this is really this is the card I'm having the most trouble you with. You are yeah. You've had some struggles tonight. It's it's just mm. so there are a lot of toss ups here. You know. It's so tough. Jane's we last saw in a losing effort to Gavin Tucker. Fun fact that was on the Derek Lewis Alexia Linnet card. AKA our pilot episode when we recapped uh, the good old days. Mr. Justin was not mentioned on that card. He was not, but he lost in a third round rear naked choke to Gavin Tucker. Who? Our boy Billy Q's about to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that December? I, coming I, up. I think it's UFC 246, I think. Oh, I yes. could be wrong, but I think it is. Shout out Billy Q. So then Gabriel Benitez, um, we last saw him on the Smith versus Teixeira card, also in a losing effort to Omar Morales, unanimous decision. That was his return to lightweight. Is this fight happening at lightweight? This is lightweight, yep. I think I'm also going to go Justin James. I think I've seen... I, he has shown me more at lightweight, especially in UFC run. Mm-hmm. You know, again, Benitez has fought at lightweight before, but this is his only his second time fighting in that division in the UFC. He fought at, I'm going to assume, feather, yeah, it was featherweight for pretty much most of his career moving yeah. up here. James, I imagine, is going to be the bigger guy in this matchup. But how's he going to do it, you might ask. I'm going to say third round. <clears throat> KOTKO. I think this fight nearly goes the distance, but not quite. And it's going to be a big win for James. Oh, yeah, it would definitely be. I mean, it, it, 
This really Benitez you know, is a oh, seasoned vet. It here. really could be the fight of the night. I'm not going to quite pick it, even though you're going three. I'm saying you want to change. You know you want to change. No, I'm, I'm sticking with my boys. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with old Roman Delizzi and John Allen Arte. <laughs> Bring it home, boys. I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> we move on to our co-main event, Ovin St. Prue, Jamal Hill. Y'all better get on the train. Well, uh, the Jamal Hill train. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Noah. Go ahead, take it away. Uh, Ovin St. Prue, we've previewed this gentleman one time before, but for those of you that are new to the podcast, trickle in. OSP is 25 and 14. This will be his, is my math correct, 40th professional MMA fight on Saturday. 12 KOTKOs, 8 submissions. That's 20 out of 25 via finish. 13 to 9 in the UFC. He's been in there with the who's who. Notable wins against Jean Vellante. Fun fact, he's opening our entire card on the prelims. Uh, beat him via majority decision. Don't see those often. Submitted Nikita Krylov. KO'd Shogun Hua. KO'd Patrick Cummins, submitted Yushin Okami, KO'd Corey Anderson, and most recently, while walking backward, one punch KO'd Alonzo Minifield. However, he's got some notable losses. A notable loss to former light heavyweight champion in Bellator and current heavyweight champion Ryan Bader via unanimous decision. Got submitted by Glover Teixeira, the ageless wonder. Lost to John Jones via unanimous decision. Got KO'd by Mr. Jimmy Manoa. Lost a close split decision to Vulcan Uzdemir. Got submitted by Ilir Latifi. I will say that caught me off guard when I was taking my notes. <laughs> um, lost a unanimous decision to Dominic Reyes. Uh, fought Nikita again and got submitted by Nikita Krylov. So they both have submitted each other. Would love to see the trilogy on that one. And then lost a tough split decision in his one and only heavyweight UFC fight against Ben Rothwell. Jamal Hill, Noah, he's 7-0. He's undefeated. This is our third undefeated fighter on the card. He's got three KOTKOs. He's 2-0 in the UFC with one no contest, uh, if you count his win on the Contender Series. All three finishes in the first round. That notable win for him coming against Daquan Townsend. This was at KOP 62 in 2018 via unanimous decision. You know... I'm just going to be honest. I picked Jamal Hill. Yeah. But I, 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 I my heart wants OSP Noah. I'm, I just want you to know. I like Jamal Hill heart, a lot, that's what though. I want. I do like Jamal Hill a lot, though. He, he really has he has the personality. He has the, the flash enough to where he, that guy could be a real problem, a real star. Well, I'm going to give it to you straight right here. Okay. Jamal the, Hill, first round KOTKO. Rip that Band-Aid right off. OSP, man. Who's who? Always in entertaining fights outside of the Rothwell fight. I know you think differently on that one than I do, but that's <laughs> yeah. all right. OSP man, the seasoned vet, love this guy, the former Tennessee football player, but Jamal Hill, the young up and comer, the rising star, another contender series veteran, undefeated for a reason. OSP has shown subject chins in the past. Chins? Subject chin. <laughs> Jamal Hill. Getting it done first got, round. Got the done. power to do it. Yes, you know? yes. So there's been three undefeated fighters on this card. You say none of those O's have got to go. You have picked. This all is three, true. You have picked all three. I promise, fighters. I'm not a filthy casual. Oh no, not at all. I think that could that could very well happen. I mean, what, again, undefeated for a reason. <laughs> We're gonna scream it off the rooftops, baby. <laughs> Merch drop incoming. <laughs> so what am I gonna do here? You're I, gonna I, pick Jamal. I, I pick. <laughs> 
The first undefeated fighter, I sided with you. Yes. The second one, I went against you. Now here we are again. Here we are. You know how I feel about Ovin St. Pro. I do. I love the guy. I love this run he's been on. I actually really enjoyed his heavyweight fight with Ben (laughs) Rothwell. I think I'm the only person in the world that enjoyed that fight. I fucking love that fight. (laughs) No, I I, I actually did enjoy it. Uh, It was a bit sloppy. They got tired. I had fun. Put it in the UFC Hall of Fame, courtesy of Noah. Now look, we've been counting out OSP. That this is true. He has been counted out time and time again. He arguably won that damn fight against Rothwell. I don't think he did, but I'm just saying. <laughs> he was counted out big time by you and many others against an up and comer. Oh yeah. And Alonzo Menapil. I said Alonzo first round KO, so I could very I much... went with OSP first round submission. Didn't happen. He knocked him out in the second round. <laughs> Walking backward. He pulled an Anderson Silva. Yes. My point being, when he was counted out before, he proved them wrong against an up-and-comer, the guy that was supposed to take his shine and potentially move into the top 15. Here he is again, faced with another up-and-comer, looking to take his shine, move into the top 15. And that is why I'm going with Jamal Hill by first round (laughs) KOTKO. So, yeah. Oh, um, (laughs) no. Look, OSP, I love you. I'm on your train, brother. I, look, I'm look. If he wins this, OSP, going for that title, baby. <laughs> I'm all on board. But I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's gonna get beat pretty, pretty bad here. If I'm being honest, Jamal Hill. I mean, he's for real, man. That guy's this good. dude's a stud. It's a it's big, these it's, contender it's series a guys. big jump up in competition. Yeah. Truthfully oh, yeah. speaking, oh yeah, this is a big jump up for him. Th- they believe in, Jamal, but he looks. He just looks so seasoned. Yeah, he's good. like he doesn't look. You know, for a guy who's only got set uh, eight professional MMA fights, this will be his eighth. No, he's eight no right now. Oh, sorry, eight. No. The way they the way oh, they gotcha, do it on gotcha, topology gotcha, gotcha, is a little gotcha, gotcha. weird. He's eight no. For a guy that's only had eight professional fights, sure, he's won them all. But there's nothing to his style that I look at and I don't see a completely polished fighter with a complete arsenal. He he's he just he looks incredible and that, that last win over Clids and Abreu needed a body, <laughs> didn't the ground and pound. OSP, I love you, buddy. I think you're I think you're going to sleep round one. Yeah. And I I you know, a part of me hopes he proves We me wrong. we might see like a one. I hope these guys go to a draw and they can just hug it out and they both move to number one and number two at light heavyweight and then you know OSP wins the title, he fights Jamal Hill in a rematch for the belt. Twenty twenty one. Crazy. Oh, oh next year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. Okay. But yeah, that's that's my thoughts there. Um that was a little wild. We move on to the main event. Jack the Joker. The Joker, Hermanson. Marvin. The Italian Dream. Vittori. Mm. <laughs> All right. All righty then. <laughs> 185 pounds. Men's mid- men's middleweight. There's only <laughs> men's middleweight in the UFC. Uh, uh, Jack Hermanson. 21 wins, 5 losses, 11 KOTQ, 6 submissions. That's 17 out of 21 via finish. He's 8-3 and three in the UFC. This dude has been slept on for years. He's got notable wins against Ty, Talus Latus, Talus Latus, Talus, Talus Latus. It's Talus Ladies. that was via TKO. Submitted Gerald Mearchart. Submitted David Branch. Got a unanimous decision over Jacare Souza, and most recently, 
embarrassed Kelvin Gastelum 40-some seconds into the first round with a heel hook submission, if I'm not mistaken. Was it a heel hook? Yeah, it was a minute 18. Then. Um, whatever. What did I say? 40-something <laughs> seconds? Who's counting? <laughs> On uh, Notable losses. He's lost to Noah's boy, Tiago Santos, via TKO. Mm-hmm. Tiago has been mentioned on this podcast nearly every episode, and we're in episode, like, 48 at this point. Nice. 47. Yeah. I don't even know the what time episode we, we're in. And the only time <laughs> his fight happens, I'm not even here for it, oh. and yeah, he but, loses. Uh, <clears throat> whatever. <More> Anyways. <laughs> also has lost to Jared Cannonier via TKO. That was a brutal one. Ten of uh, Jack's 17 finishes have came via first round. Marvin Vittori finally getting the big stage here. He's got a fight against the Joker. Number four ranked, I believe, Jack is right now. Marvin is ranked number 13th. Mm-hmm. He's 15-4. and four. Two KOTKOs, nine submissions. That's 11 out of 15 via finish. He's 5-2-1 and one in the UFC. Notable wins against Cesar Ferreira. I said that right, right? Ferreira. Or do I roll the it's, R's? It's Ferreira. Ferreira. Do I roll the R's? <laughs> yeah, you kind of did. Okay, cool, cool, cool. For... <laughs> we can forget that happened, though, if you want. <laughs> beat, or beat him via unanimous decision. Beat Andrew Sanchez via unanimous decision. A uh, uh, Ultimate Fighter veteran. And also submitted Carl Roberson most recently. He's entering this fight on a three-fight win streak. Notable losses in the UFC. Lost to Antonio Carlos Jr. via unanimous decision. And oh, Noah, Noah, Noah. A split decision loss to the current middleweight king, undefeated Israel Adesanya. Split decision. Mm -hmm. You know what that means? For those of you that don't know, tell them what that means. What's a split decision? Split decision means, in this case... We have three judges. Two yes. of our three judges scored the fight for Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya. However, one judge strayed from the pack and picked Marvin Vittori as the winner of that fight. You know, and I remember watching this. This was back right when Izzy had made, you know, his splash into the UFC, yeah. cracking into those rankings. Man, what a fight. This, I remember being so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Invested? Yes, and just... I didn't know who won. At the end of that fight, I did not know. Really? I did not know. I actually thought Asanya won. Okay. Um, it was a great fight, though. Oh, yeah. And the fact that it was a split decision, I thought was completely fair. And, and, and granted, like, the Izzy we see today is not the Izzy we saw then. We know this. But the Marvin we saw then hasn't lost since. He's mm-hmm. on a three-fight win streak, and he's looked better with every fight. And 11 of Marvin's are weight. <laughs> He has 11 finishes. All 11 have came in the first round. Who am I kidding? This is a great main event. Listen. The Joker here was originally scheduled for Darren Till. Yes. Love that fight. Then, Kevin Holland. Love that fight. But man, Noah, this fight is intriguing, my friend. Yeah. It, this might, is it, it might not be Hermanson Till, because that was truly just a just the matchup that we needed, right, right. considering the rankings. But I actually think it's a step up from Holland only due to where they are yeah. right now. Vittori ranked 13th. Holland not quite ranked yet. I think him versus Jock Ray makes a lot of sense. You probably heard me talk about that Monday. For right. sure. All right. So what's funny about this matchup is that many of the pundits and the experts and really just the fans, they, they are definitely thinking that the way for Hermanson to win here is to go for the takedown, right. get the fight to the ground. But... Hermanson has more wins by knockout. Vittori 
being quite the sufficient Nine out of 11. So taking down Marvin Vittori is no easy task. Oh, no. And Marvin can strike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, the two wins by knockout might stand out as being like, oh, well, he's much more of a submission-heavy guy. I think a lot of those submissions, and I could be wrong on this, but um, a lot of those I think are set up by the work he does on the feet. He's able to um, really catch guys, you know, get their equilibrium off, able to get them on the ground and finish the fight there. It's kind of like how Davison's been winning by submission in his last two fights, but we know that the work that it took to get there was the strike. Set up by the power. Yeah, yeah. Especially with the Benavides fight. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, it's it's just the way it kind of goes sometimes. It's a very interesting matchup, and what's so surprising to me is the betting odds have Marvin Vittori as a slight favorite. Yeah. Really disrespect, I don't want to say disrespect, but the, I, I guess I didn't realize, I thought people were underrating Marvin Vittori because he really kind of has been underrated through his whole run here. He's he, he really has. struggling to get fights. You know, he's. I believe that fight with Carl Roberson fell through twice before they mm-hmm. finally got it. Roberson missing weight again in that one. What the hell are you doing, Roberson? Anyways. But yet, Hermanson seems to be the one being J- underrated in this match. Jack, I mean, I said it when I very first started the breakdown of Jack here. He's always just not looked at as a top contender. I think that loss to Jared Cannonier did a lot of... Uh, it's really halted his progress to getting to that title contention. Oh, I mean, obviously, for sure, but you look I mean, at the loss. Obvi- okay, obviously a loss halts your momentum. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was the fact that he was pretty handedly beaten on the feet. And right. pretty swiftly, if I might add, and finished ultimately in the second round. I mean, it was a pretty one-sided fight for Cannoneer. So I think that that, even the Kelvin Gaslin win, I mean, I thought Kelvin was going to win that fight. I thought it was a bounce-back opportunity for him. So I guess in a way, maybe even I'm sleeping on Jack or Manson a little bit. Yeah. And that people might continue to say that's true here because I'm actually going to side with Marvin Vittori in this matchup. And here's why. I do think Hermanson's going to have a very hard time getting this fight to the ground. And even if he does, I think Vittori has enough enough knowledge of the ground game in order to get into those sprawls and get back to his feet, mm-hmm. or at least threaten enough with submissions to keep Hermanson busy. Like, I don't think Hermanson can take it to the ground and rest. I think Vittori's going to keep him busy the whole time. Um, I ultimately think this fight goes to a decision, though. I think Vittori yeah. gets the win by a decision. Um, he could very well finish this fight, and Hermanson could too. These guys could really finish this fight either way for both of them. That's what makes this matchup so intriguing. Yeah, man. I think that this fight ultimately stays on the feet for quite a vast majority of it, and I think people are going to be surprised at what they see from Vittori here. V- Vittori's going to put a lot of people on notice. I, I know that I, really I know he's the slight him. betting uh, favorite, but betting doesn't necessarily apply to what yeah, the casual yeah. fans or what even the hardcore fans are thinking going in. People are happy Vittori's getting the spot because I know a lot of hardcore fans are big on him, but. I don't think that I think people are you know if you're a hardcore fan you know how good Jack Hermanson is and you know what a step up for Vittorius is considering he is only coming off a win over Carl Roberson Hermanson has fought the who's who of the top of this division for years now I still think Vittori gets his win here I think this puts him into the top five it's disappointing for Hermanson because I really do respect him taking this fight and especially because this is his third opponent it'll be disappointing but I think uh, a potential you know, Vittori wins this. 
puts him in that top five. Maybe you still get Hermanson's Hill. Who knows? Yeah, so. that's true. Um, man, I'm. This is the one I'm torn with. This <laughs> is, this is such an intriguing, stylistic. Just we're gonna see a beautiful MMA fight. I mm-hmm. think in this main event here. Jack's been in there with just straight killers. He's got that experience edge, the tougher competition. Vittori, though, still a stud and does not get respected. Neither one of these guys get the respect they deserve. That's safe to say. Oh, yeah. Slept on, both of them. Especially, we're talking Jack here, ranked fourth, which is just crazy. I'm going decision, but I'm going the other way. I'm going the Joker, Jack Hermanson. I... By, like you said, both these guys could very easily finish this fight. For sure. But par- that part of me just wants to see a five-round, beautiful fight. I think we're going to see some groundwork, but I do think primarily on the feet, like you said. I think we're going to see some good striking out of both guys. I think Jack's going to be able to just outpoint him a little more on the feet, mm-hmm. get the better of the transitions and grappling, and he's going to maybe even like a like a 48 47 three rounds yeah, yeah, yeah. to two i think it's going to be an incredible fight i'm so excited for this like we mentioned in one of our new segments this honestly just plays out better than hermanson holland because now holland gets the soza fight which we'll talk about next week so um i'm very excited very intrigued could go either way but i'm going hermanson here yeah i want to do uh just make one more quick note is that when you're talking about the ground game of these two, sure, uh, again, Vittori, nine of his 11 finishes via submission. Trying to take down Hermanson is also a bit a very risky move because that guy's a guillotine chip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. He I mean, sinks it in deep. David Branch and Gerald Mearchart say hello. Yes. Among others. Yes. So, again, I mean, the slick heel hook over Kelvin Gaslam. That was which nice. It, it was... <laughs> came out of nowhere it, it was also like i mean kelvin was caught in it once got out then yeah, didn't really change his positioning <laughs> got caught in it again weird fight that's a fight you just forget happens it, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, i weird. mean that's that's a good way to put it so either way i think no matter who wins or who loses in this fight sure if vittori wins rankings wise you know he's gonna move potentially top five that'll put jack back if jack wins if it's the way we're envisioning, where it's a five-round technical battle that I kind of see it being, um, Vittori Price still moves up. Oh, yeah. So I feel like this fight, the way we both see it going, I don't think there's really a guy that quite loses in this matchup here. Uh, I'm sure the loser will not take it that way, especially a guy who's as brash as Vittori. Who, yeah, Vittori has some personality to A chip it. on his shoulder, yeah, for yeah. sure. He's wanting to run it back without Asanya big time, so that's that's interesting uh, if he does win this here. But yeah, I, I'm really excited for this main event. I honestly, outside of the fight, you know what? You want to change, don't you? Fight of the night? I think this is going to be fight of the night. Yeah, for me. I, I almost did that. For me. Because I definitely, like, look, I love a good brawl. I love a good finish, as anybody does. But there's something about these technical, what I call a technical war, where you might not quite see it in the damage inflicted. Think of Robert Whitaker, Darren Till, that just happened not too long ago. Think of Darren Till back when he fought Stephen Thompson, a fight a lot of people didn't like. Mm. I stand by that being just a beautiful showcase of striking. Yep. I think you can see that here. Now, 
are these guys at that quite of a striking level? No. But I think that they have enough of a full, well-rounded skill set to where you're going to see the full showcase of MMA. There'll probably be some clinch work. You'll see the stand-up. You'll see it go to the ground. So I think we're going to get a good idea of really who's better at each category here. Yeah. I think that'll be very interesting to see, and I don't think it's going to be a clean sweep for anybody. I am... The more we're talking about this, I'm, like, giddy about this fight, man. I really am. Both these guys also, I wanted to point out, kind of the face of their respective countries in this UFC fight. Um, Marvin Vittori representing Italy. Do you have Jack Hermanson still pulled up on your computer? Because I forget what country he's representing. Because I'm pointing out a really cool... Sweden. Sweden. So, really, outside of, uh, you know, guys like Lear Latifi and... uh, it's not He's Sweden. fighting out of Norway, but he was born in Sweden. Ah, so. Fighting out of Norway. I knew it was like a red yeah, flag. So, yeah. yeah. Jack Hermanson, the face of Norwegian MMA in the UFC. Marvin Vittori, the face of Italian uh, MMA in the UFC, clashing together. Again, we love to point out this worldwide global uh, footprint that the UFC and MMA as a whole puts on. And we're seeing it here in another main event. So excited. Tune in. Like, even if you don't watch this whole card... You're going to want to watch this main event. You really will want to watch this. Yeah. I, you could, couldn't have said it any better. And guess what? This is a card that you can check yep. out on ESPN2. ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, it's showing ESPN2 for the main card, but I believe the main card is also just on ESPN. I think it is, yeah. Main. yeah. But if you have ESPN+, Plus like me, you can just check it out on there, too, along with the prelims. So that's going to wrap it up there. There it is. That is the preview for hashtag UFC Vegas 16. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, you know, I tend to be the guy of the two of us that when we do predictions, I tend to be less uh, finish heavy in my predictions, I think. You went big today. And I, I went with a lot of finishes here. I mean, that's that's the way this card is looking on paper. And for all I know, look, yeah, I don't, I don't have to tell you guys this. Uh, I'm not great at predicting fights. Like, let's be honest. It's it's tough because any guy can come in and land one shot and win or do. Yeah, that, that's the way it is. Get caught in a submission. Like, it, it just it's such an unpredictable thing. Uh, the the classic example, if the Chiefs are beating, you know, a team like the, the Bengals. Ra- yeah, the sorry, <laughs> the Bengals by five touchdowns. Joe Burrow cannot throw a, a 42 point yeah. pass yeah. It, it doesn't happen so that's why it's i think mma is just such a hard sport to predict and if really you could be win. losing the entire fight but have one second left and land one punch it, you've seen it before hello yair rodriguez Kareem <laughs> yeah, that is the perfect example we just talked about them a little bit ago but yeah please check out these fights uh just a couple people that i actually want to mention um we actually like if you go to this prelim, and I know we don't touch on prelims, and um, I do have one I wanted to point out as well. Uh, we open our card with Jean Vellante, which is kind of speaking to I think just top to bottom where this card kind of stands because Jean Vellante at one time was a ranked light heavyweight. Sure, at heavyweight didn't look completely great in his debut, but going up against a tough fighter, he's opening this card <laughs> like it's just kind of crazy. And Aliyah Tupiria. That's a guy we've talked about in a past yep. episode, so shout out to him. And you gotta give a shout out to your boy from the Contender Series. Go ahead, Jimmy Flick. <laughs> yeah, I I noticed uh, him. Jimmy sitting, the Brick 
flick. Yeah, I love the name. I love his style. I'm very excited to see him. And you got a veteran like Luis Smoka. Really? Yeah, he's fighting okay. on here against Jose Alberto Quinones. I will say, after what I saw from Flick on the prelim or on the contender series, this dude knows how to get it done on the ground, and I've never seen so many submission attempts. If you guys have are able to watch the prelims, Jimmy Flick, remember the name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that was a long-winded. Yes, it was. I love it though. As for the rest of the week, well, next week. Next week. <laughs> Monday, we'll obviously be recapping and reviewing all the action from this six-fight main card that happened Saturday night, along with anything that sticks out to us. We'll catch back up with Jimmy the Brick Flick, I'm sure. Um, Wednesday, though, this episode's going to be a little extra special. Tell them why, no. We're in the month of December. We're nearing the end of 2020. (sighs) What a year it has been. So Very bittersweet. we, We start... Our 2020 year in review, part one, with a look back at Fight Island. Right. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say what part two is. Tell them. Part two happening on December 23rd, two days before Christmas. The end of the year awards. Yes. We're talking fighter of the year, fight of the year, newcomer of the year, most disappointing fight of the year. Ooh. Most disappointing fighter of the year. Most surprising fight of the year. Mm. Most surprising fighter of the year. Mm. (coughs) This is going to be yearly for us. Oh, it's this is going to be deep. You know how we like to say we take deep dives? These next two, Mm -hmm. or really, all these special episodes (laughs) we got lined up, but these next two... Very excited for these next few special episodes. It'll start, though, December 9th. That's this next coming Wednesday. Year in Review Part 1, a look back at Fight Island. Fight Island's still ongoing, but this is kind of another opportunity, along with the documentary we talked about. You can go find that episode uh, in our library of special episodes. But we really get to just kind of talk about the actual cards that took place on Fight Island. Um, obviously the impact that it's had i think fight island has been the biggest overarching kind of thing to take away from 2020 in mma like and really and one of the biggest in all of sports yeah i mean it really is and i think that's why it's important to kind of give it its own episode here where we can break down these cards the lead up you know what went into it and uh, maybe even touch a little bit maybe it'll start to slide into the state of where we talk about kind of where we see Mm -hmm. fight island going in the future but then part two, those end-of-year awards, we kind of want to dedicate that episode all yeah. to that. So part one, you'll probably hear a little bit about our 2020, you know, some of the, the highs and lows as everybody has went through this year. And we are no different, so we'll probably talk a little bit about that. But it'll be a, it'll be a really – it's going to be a great month. Yeah, and we're rolling right into 2021. Mm-hmm. Big things planned. So excited to get a full slate, full year of the podcast. Woo! We've got a lot of things in the playbook. I couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> so, Dominic, tell the people where they can find you on social media. Now, here's the thing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Diesel 14 More importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter and Instagram at B-A-J underscore M-M-A podcast. Did you know that? I did. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. Uh, I'm a little biased, but... (laughs) (laughs) Good content, I've heard. (laughs) As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, 
which gives you the links to all of the platforms that you can find our podcast and social media on the twitter the instagram the youtube channel the anchor page along with spotify google apple podcast it's all on there and there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast that just provides us with a few dollars a month all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast but at the end of the day we just appreciate y'all watching and supporting us but that's it we're out And we're going to see y'all on...